Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey guys, this is Scott with Brotherhood of Fatherhood, and we're going to be talking with Theo Zhuang today. But before we get started, as a man who desires to live up to his full potential as a father, husband, and leader, you need a tribe that will challenge you and help you grow. If you have not joined the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group yet, be sure to hop on Facebook and search the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Join what I believe is the most valuable group online for fathers, where you can get practical and tactical advice and support to be the father, husband, and leader you are destined to be. Welcome to the show, Theo. How are you doing today, my man? Oh, man. Thank you for having me. I I haven't gotten this prepared since my, actually this clean. I shaved my head and everything since my wedding, probably. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't know how I feel about a man meeting with me and getting really prepared and cleaned up, but I know why you did that. So that's really cool. Uh, We've been chatting for, for a bit uh, through the Facebook messenger. And, um, then we, we've hopped on some calls. You really started kind of, um, you actually sent me a a pretty awesome message very early on in, in your, in your joining the group. So, um, I started to watch you very closely, very, very quickly. And uh, we'll get into that a little later because I want to really talk to the group about like what motivates you and what you have some really, really deep things to share and we'll dive into that. But first, uh, I may have messed up your name. So it's uh, Theophilus. Is that how you pronounce it? Theophilus. We're going with Theo and Mm -hmm. um, Zhuang. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Correct. So where are you from? Because I don't know many Americans that uh, name their kids that way. So, or at least with, you know, the, the uh, American descent, I guess is right. right. Yeah. Or North American. I, I'm, okay, I'm, thank you. Yeah. Canadian born, <laughs> Canadian born Chinese. Uh, my dad was from China. Mom's from Hong Kong. Um, and the, the reason why I have this name is because they had me at a seminary in, in Alberta. Um, and, and this, this little town of like 1800 people at the time, um, I believe I'm one of the first Chinese to be born in this town. It's, it's really, really small. Uh, you can call it a one horse town. So that was the name they gave me. And so all throughout school, just being last on the attendance list, I just sit there waiting for my name to get butchered. So you've, you've done a really good job so far. Yeah. I, as a, as a past teacher, um, I knew enough to ask cause I did, I didn't want to mess it up cause right. I've, I've played my role there as a teacher messing kids names up. But being yeah. the last on the list and knowing they're going to butcher it, yeah, is that like torture every single year? Yes, like first days of school is always like, and and my name like it wasn't even like it wasn't even attempted. It was always like when it got to my name, it was like I'm going to butcher this. So my name essentially was I'm going to butcher this because every single time they'd be like I I'm, I'm not going to say this right and 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 yeah. ruin it. So right, yeah, that's that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> not that our, not that as you're going through school, your self-esteem is already pretty much in the garbage most of the time. And you're really worried about what everybody thinks, but why not have to go through this every year? Right. Yeah. And, and that's funny because when you say it like that, it's like, I, I did feel like I was a, I was a recluse of sorts. I just didn't have the same upbringing as people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up in South America and, and 
there's just a lot of a lot of sides and dimensions to me that when I looked around, I was just like, nobody is like me. Like I just felt so like a like a sore thumb, really. Oh wow, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I think most kids, teenagers, like through those years, have those moments, those times. Mm. But it's, I would say, like being in your shoes, that would probably be to the extreme. Yeah, like. I mean, I was three when we moved to to Venezuela. My parents were missionaries, and I say there's something here that you're moving all over the world because not everybody yeah. jumps into things like that, right? And it was super strange for my dad to do. Like his English was not even at the place. Like moving to Canada and then going to school there, and then like not even within ten years of being in Canada, he was in another country already, and they only spoke pri- primarily Spanish there. Um, it was just you, you st- stick out even more, and racism was prevalent every single day. Like it was all the time. And so you, you were, you were told you were different and, and in a way that was not very, uh, life-giving. Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely have gone through, uh, being a minority. <laughs> yes. Means, yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I, even in Vancouver here, I, I live in a predominantly white neighborhood. Um, I, I don't live in Richmond. If you're familiar with the area, Richmond is kind of like little Chinatown, like of, of Vancouver. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I guess now I just crave to be in a place where I stick out like a sore thumb and I just wear it. And now I have, I have people call me Theophilus or call me, you know, by my real name. And it used to be that I was called Teddy and actually that, oh, wow. that what made kind of predominantly through, through school later on that I was like, I was wearing my nickname and, and it actually ended up on attendance list, which was strange. And then after people found out it was Theophilus, it went back and people were just like calling me that all the time. So Wow. Wow. Yeah. The things that, you know, a lot of us just don't think of day in and day out, like the, the perspective, it can be so really eye opening. Cause like I said earlier, like I'm not here to justify anybody or anything, but even just being a teenager or a kid, you feel different than everybody else. At least I did. And I know a lot of kids really struggle with that and to have uh, you know, a little bit of fire or a lot of fire kind of poured on that. It's got to be a real struggle. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 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 and this, I, you know, I have a story for that. Cause like COVID is a good example. Um, you know, early on people were saying, you know, oh, this is the China virus and whatnot. And because I said, you know, we, we live in a predominantly, you know, white neighborhood. And, and so my son is, you know, did kindergarten last year. He missed a ton of school. Um, because he was, you know, having coughs and all these symptoms list that they said, if he, if your kid has it, don't send his, don't send him to school. Um, and so he missed more than half of his school year. And actually at one point, the principal actually gave us a call. She was like, Hey, like I see your son is missing a lot of school. Is there a way we can transition into a kind of like a part online part, you know, you know, physical school. And, you know, she's, she was a, a Caucasian principal and, uh, I just told her, Hey lady, like, you know, we're Asian here. And so you don't see, like, if, if I bring my son to school and he coughs and a parent sees that word's going to spread that there's this little Chinese kid in our school who's potentially got COVID. And I didn't want to even entertain the fact that he probably get bullied. Like just people would see us different and, and stay away from us. And, and so when she saw that from that angle, she was like, wow, I, I didn't even think of that. Like that, that's not something that would occur to me, right. I guess. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that I'm super hypersensitive to now. It's like, how, and, and I think that also helps me to understand people better is, is there's just too many factors for us to make a, a, a basis decision or judgment of 
who that person or what that person is or, or what their future is going to look like, et cetera. Yeah. I want to, I'm, this might sound challenging. So brace yourself. Um, do you feel like you're that kind of decision and that kind of walking your kid or maybe protecting them? And, and I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. I'm not very mm-hmm. good at it because uh, I just think it's really important to ask questions. Yeah. I have worked really hard at changing my mindset about letting my kids go through some really hard things so that I can teach them that that is how we grow. Right. I'm going to talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. It is painful, however, absolutely painful. And I have zero perspective on they're they're white. They're me. Right. I mean, yeah. I have zero. So please take that into mind. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Never think like, well, there's an opportunity to grow, but also I'm sure you're kind of, um, I'm putting words in your mouth, but you might be looking at age here because I don't yeah. know how old your kids are. Yeah. So, I mean, he's six or he was five at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and, and yeah, like I, that, that is an angle that I probably overlooked a little now in, in hindsight. Um, yeah, that would, that would certainly, and not that, I think there's probably some, some judgments I made too about the, the, the people in my neighborhood, like the, 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 the people in this city are extremely nice. They're very kind. I mean, Canadians, right? Um, not that Canadians yeah. don't, don't have issues. We do have issues. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think it was a, certainly a missed opportunity to be like, Hey, like, you know, son, you're going to encounter this on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, there are going to be people who like to point out your differences and how you're not similar to them. Um, but that's just something we got to wear on our sleeves. And this is what, you know, gives us fortitude and, and, and makes us who we are. And so, yeah, I, I certainly see where you're coming from. And, and I love, I love that because you're always picking my brain, always trying to like, you know, give me different angles and, and it helps me to improve. And I think that's really what BOF is about, which I love so much. Yeah, it's, it's hard. And thank you for that. But it's hard for me to ask those questions, but I yeah. ask those questions of myself all the time. Hmm. And um, I've realized that like, even just this morning, I was telling my wife how I pray for my boys and I pray hmm. that you know, one, they'll be protected, but two, I actually, it's, and it's really hard to do. Please put them in situations where it's tough and they learn mm-hmm. and, you know, and they fail. And it's, that's like the hardest thing for me to do Yeah, because I'm looking, I don't want pain in my kids' lives, but yeah. let's be honest. Um, you know, it was coined as, as the China, whatever, <laughs> I don't know what what it was going. I don't yellow virus. Yeah. (laughs) And I just literally don't pay attention. Uh, It it does look like it did come from China. Mm -hmm. I I have a feeling there's some American. Yeah. No, I don't doubt it either. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, I mean, we can point fingers all we want, Yeah. but when it, when everything circles back around, it looks like it's a a very um, multifaceted effort here. Yeah. Uh, So I, I totally hear that. Mm -hmm. But it's just such an intriguing thing to talk about because I had, zero, like ze- the, the closest thing I have, Theo, the closest thing I have is the fact that I'm five foot six. I'm sh- I'm short for a male, mm. um, a white male. Let's mm. put it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the closest thing I have. And I, and I deal with people calling me short, make fun of me. I mean, quite frequently I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm in my late forties. Mm. Other guys are just going to do it. If you're, if they're not, they're probably not human. Mm. Um, so <laughs> that's the closest I get. Right. And mm. woe is me. I'm short. Uh, but but yeah, that that's, uh, I love the new perspectives. Hey guys, this is Scott. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, but I did want to interrupt for just a second because I am super passionate about a new tool that I've found and been using for the last month or so. 
And if you're like me, the thought of writing copy puts me into cold sweats. But we all know that writing blogs, social media posts, web copy, ads, and more are part of life and can make a considerable impact on moving the needle to success in your business or job. We all know how difficult it can be to wrangle ideas, action words, and details, not to mention time constraints. Fear not. I have found a solution that allow, will allow you to easily crank out stunning copy in minutes. It's Jarvis, guys. It's probably hit your social media feed and you think it's too good to be true, but it is not. Jarvis is the latest artificial intelligence technology that will help you create content at lightning speed with little effort on your part or hefty fees for writers. You fill in two easy steps and it'll lay out descriptive paragraphs, both short and long-form articles, bullet lists, social media posts, blog posts, ad copy, SEO copy, Google ad copy. It gets super detailed. There are tons of templates to choose from. It's totally up to you. It's two steps, and it blows me away every time I use it. In fact, it just keeps getting better and better. So if you're like me, the thought and thought it was too good to be true, trust me, this product kicks ass. I literally use it every single day for per- personal and professional use. Just go try it for free and use my link. Uh, and it's in the show notes. I'm not going to read it to you because it's crazy. But go into the show notes, click on the link, sign up for your free trial. You will never look back. And this is a great way to support this podcast. Super simple for you, for your business. Send it to your boss, send it to your friends. It will revolutionize workflow. The link is in the podcast notes. And if you want to support the Brotherhood of Fatherhood, this is a great way. So you are in Canada. You're mm-hmm. of Chinese descent. Your mm-hmm. kids, is your, what, what nationality is your wife? So my wife is, she's, uh, she's from mainland China. So she's okay. grown up, like born and raised all, all there. So really? Yes. Wow. Uh, yeah. And that's a, that's another story because oh, that's yeah. like, like cultural stuff. Like yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm literally like a banana or, or like you guys like to say, like maybe a Twinkie, like I'm yellow on the outside, but I'm white on the inside. And so when I went to China, like, and, and this is, this is part of the story, I guess is just, we resonated together. She spoke English. I couldn't speak any Chinese. So it was like latch onto, I was a leech essentially. It was just like, who could I find that could help me survive in China? And so yeah, she's she's a, a mainlander. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure that has its its a whole <laughs> yeah. a whole another thing. Man, I don't even know how we got on this. I know you're talking about your son <laughs> going to going to or not going to school. That was a big deal. Like mm. my my son like would cough and he had allergies. It was mm. really bad. Yeah. And he literally had a teacher say to him like, "Hey, if you cough again, I'm going to make sure you stay home." Which, right. by the way, is not legal. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. And this was yeah. last year, and um, you know it. And what we realized is he had there was a ton of stress around it, a mm. lot of stress because kids were saying, saying you're going to give me COVID, and it was just it was crazy. Oh, and yeah, we we did make him stick through it, like just like hey, you got out. I have allergies. Yeah, I've been tested or whatever, right. whatever it takes to make people shut up. Yeah. But again, like that was kind of light. But it was also a great learning opportunity. Like, like let's talk about what that really means to you. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they, right. Nothing. They have a problem. Okay. It's such right. a hard concept to take a hold of. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because you talk about stress. Like I think, 
and I, I, I'm probably coming to like a conclusion. I'm just coming to my own conclusion. Maybe your son is very high emotional quotient person. And so, you know, when they can, and, and children are not dumb They're, they right. they can, they can clue into climate and like how things are going, the, the environment. And so all that stuff just contributes to, you know, some kind of coping issue. My son has the same thing, just allergies, skin issues. Like, like, yeah, we could go on and on about how stress is affecting kids nowadays with everything going on, social media devices, man. I've seen like grade ones at his school with devices already talking about some crazy topics like that. I'm just like, wow. Okay. Like you guys are already talking about this stuff. Like just the world that we're in just it's, I don't know if it's more difficult than years past or decades past, but it certainly feels that way. I don't think we can deny the stress and the input from mm. technology. I would, I would give, even go as far as to say, um, and I think most people, if they really thought about it, it's being used against us like all the time. And I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there is. Okay. Even I do like, let me be very clear. I do not care if people get, the COVID vaccine or not. I don't Mm. care. Yeah. I don't think it's anybody's business. I don't give a rat's ass, but I hate that on Google today, my wife had to Google browser up on her computer Mm. and it's the, each letter is a, is a, um, is a person Mm. and they all have band-aids on their shoulder, except for the guy closest to the doctor with a band-aid on his shoulder. And they're raising their hand, showing their shot. And then, um, and then it goes all the way down. And then that guy gets the shot. He high fives the doctor and they all, they all, (laughs) I've seen that one. I think I know which one you're talking about. Flipping kidding me. Are you kidding me? Like good, bad, or indifferent. This is propaganda. I Mm. mean, it is Mm -hmm. all on. So what our kids are up against right now in their own, like, like, look, I want my family and my kids and the people around me to have be free thinking. Mm. I don't want them to be fed by a machine, social Mm. media, Google, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they're all machines. Yeah. They all have an agenda for some odd reason. And yeah. they're them. so the pressures of the kid right now, they probably don't even see some of that end, but it's highly, highly impacting them. Mm. Yeah. And I think that th- this is the exception, you know, when we're talking about, oh, is there some kind of shielding that is going on here where you're kind of not letting him experience, you know, this kind of hardship? I think this is really that exception is that that it's a way slipperier slope to kind of open that door and give your kids that access to, um, you know, that kind of technology. I mean, we, and we went so far as to transition out, out of school because it was just that it was like hearing those kind of conversations the kids were having on the way to school. We were just like, well, you know, school is, is a place where he's learning these great things, but also he's getting influenced by all these other kids who, you know, predominantly see, um, you know, divorce as normal, uh, you know, LGBT stuff as being, you know, really, really okay. And, and, and teaching sex ed in kindergarten. Like, it's just like, there's, there's a lot of things that we're, you know, I think technology is, is one of those things where it's like, no, like we really need to like rein that in. And, and as parents, we have that responsibility and have that power to do that now, because later on, you're going to lose that, um, ability to, to actually control, uh, some of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, this is a, this is a, a slippery slope of conversation, right? I mean, we, yeah. can, we could spend the whole time talking here. I think right. um, what we have done 
well and not so well, depending on the year is, you know, mm. just kids. Hey, look, anything that goes on on your phone, I know there's ways to erase things, but I also know how to look. Yeah. So like just, it's an open book for us. You know, that right. little thumbprint, we're going to be able to do the thumbprint and then, you know, and then the big thing, like no phones out at dinner and, and, um, the no phone times and really kind of focusing in because yeah. what I'm seeing Theo, is families with two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year olds at baseball games, football games, basketball games for my sons. They're playing their, their, they've got their device and it's on loud where everyone can hear it. Everyone right. now is being involved in this thing. They have zero interest in, and the kids have zero creativity because they're just like, mm. so, yeah. Yeah. and that's, and yeah, boy, worm. I mean, this is a rabbit trail for sure, but yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> it, it's, it's very scary. Uh, so you have, how many kids do you have? I have two, six and a three, uh, boy and girl. Early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Boy and and I love them. Yeah. The boy girl. Yeah. We, when we had the first son, we were, we were like, oh, my wife was like, oh, I really love, a, you know, we'd love another boy. And, and you know, we, the, these are things that are outside of our control. But now looking back, it's like we were so blessed to have a girl. Like we mm-hmm. we, we just think she's, man, she's like my little princess. And so, uh, yeah, they, they're, they're getting along very well. Um, and, and there's just a lot of things. And I think for my own, you know, even for my own growth, growth it sounds kind of selfish, but like, you grow differently as a man when you have a daughter. It's just, there's just something about it. Just I'm, I'm softer, more tender trying to be, you know, understanding of her and, and, and also realizing the enormous pressure and, and example that I now must set to show my daughter, the kind of man that she should be looking for one day, because it's not enough for me to tell her who to look for, what to look for, what are the traits. If I don't emulate those myself, I think the same goes with technology is that, yeah, sure. I took him away from school to homeschooling, but if I don't rein in my own technology use, then my son is going to equally see that. Well, dad, you're telling me to not bring my phone to the dinner table when I've seen you do that before in the past, there's just an extra onus on us to like live that example rather than tell them or, or, or use our words to convince people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so true. And it is a real, it, the challenge there is real. Mm-hmm. I've found, you know, my son sitting, we're doing a family movie and he's sitting there scrolling through his phone and I'm like, what the heck? But then the next minute I'll find myself doing, I'm like, well, that's what, that's exactly yeah. what, like what, what we're modeling has everything to do with what, what we're, <laughs> what our kids yeah. are going to do. So we have right. to start with us. Right. My wife always like, she's, she's really good at that. And she's really good at pointing those things out. And, and sometimes I'll like lose it. And I'll tell my son, it's like, Hey, like, why are you doing that? Like, don't do that. And then my wife would be like, you know, later on, she'd be like, you realize that you do this too. Like, who are you to tell your son not to do something when you are emulating that? And so I'm, I'm so glad that she's in tune with that. And, and, and sometimes she doesn't do it in the most like life-giving way, but like, it, it's, it's something that it needs to be direct. And I think for me, it's, it's a reminder that we are our kids, essentially, like your kids are us, like they, they're, they're mirroring us in every single way, how you respond to, you know, drivers on the road, how you interact with other people who are not, you know, kind of the same as you just, there's so many things to this. That's to me now in the personal development space, it's like, wow, I have, very tangible. I, I make real tangible change in the world for the future. Um, 
and, and, and there's a, there's a great responsibility. It's like how, I hope I'm not the only person thinking like this. No, not at all. Not, I mean, but, but, but I think the minority, <laughs> let's be again, another minority. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Well, let's, let's, you know, you must've had a very interesting upbringing. I mean, you've mentioned like three countries, uh, yeah. you're in Canada. You, you were spent some time in, in, um, in China. You talked about somewhere in uh, Venezuela, Venezuela, South America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and you, then you said your parents were minute, um, um, golly. Yeah. Missionaries. Yeah. Right. Missionaries so, also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, it's like, uh, that made a lot of sense. Yeah. So growing up, you were all over the world. Yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, like whenever people ask me, it's like, Hey, so tell me kind of, you know, how, like, who's Theo now? And so like, you know, you, you, you kind of do this, like, you know, do this rewind kind of thing. And you, you look back, how far should I really go? And so, um, it's funny because when you, when you do that and, and I, and I go back far, we're talking about like 30, 60 generations back. Um, so my dad has this like lineage book for our family name. It's this giant red book and it has our last name and it has, you know, all the descendants we've had and we've actually traced it back like really far back. And so there's a, you know, very famous philosopher. His name is Zhuangzi. And his, he comes up with this thing called the butterfly paradox. Um, you guys can look it up. I'm not going to explain it right now. Um, but pretty much all the way till, you know, my grandparents, my, my, on my dad's side, um, they were really high up in the government at the time um, in, in communist China. Um, my grandpa was a, a Supreme Court judge. And my, my grandmother was like the first female police chief in the province that she was in for forensics. And so she was really well, like really well known, but not well known. I guess like it's not on paper. Like it's, it's like back in the day, communist China was like what North Korea used to be like is right now, essentially. Um, And so she was one of 12 people in a room that embalmed the chairman himself, just to give you a sense of what she like who she was um and so because of those those positions that they had they held um my dad had an opportunity to um you know they found out that there's going to be this visa lottery to be able to leave the country to go to school and so they got the head start um you know they knew this was happening before it got released publicly and so he did his application put in the papers and uh obviously he got it um and they you know in sending him off, they're like, don't ever come back. And so you can imagine what that can do to your, you know, to your psyche as a, uh, as a young adult. And he knew what, what it was like growing up in, in that era, in, in that era. And, um, you know, the parents, you know, my grandparents were arrested and he had to raise his two brothers from the age of, I believe seven. Like he, he had to like raise the two younger brothers. He was killing rats for food. He was stealing people's livestock and stealing people's like vegetation and stuff to like feed the family. Um, and that went on for a couple of years because there's this kind of like re-education thing. If you're familiar with the story of communism, um, it, it was a crazy upbringing. And so, you know, he got to Canada, um, you know, didn't look back um, and, um, you know, ended up at the Bible college, met my wife, uh, met my, my mom. Uh, and, and so they had me at the Bible college um, and then just felt called after, after they graduated to go overseas abroad to Venezuela. Apparently there's a huge population there. And wow. I didn't realize that um, is that there's actually specific cities in China, which do business specifically with certain cities in South America. 
Um, so everywhere you look now in South America, Peru, Venezuela, they all have Chinese populations specifically dedicated to whichever niche you want to think about you, your imagination pretty much. I mean, so that, you know, I was there from, from three to age 10, so seven years. And, um, you know, before Hugo Chavez, the really bad president came in and kind of started changing things towards socialism and towards communism and, and what that is now. Um, and so, uh, from then, you know, from 10 to about 20, I was in Vancouver pretty much just kind of jumping from church to church, you know, kind of also left the church for a bit to discover my own, my own way. And, um, you know, I was, I was trying to be a policeman at the time, um, kind of in this, like when, when your parents cast such a big shadow, it was really hard for me to like figure out who I was. So even though there was all these like polarizing cultures and places that I just didn't know where I was fitting in, it's like even more so whenever my parents cast this shadow that I was like even more recluse, more hidden and just like generally misunderstood. Um, so it all adds to who I am and where I'm going in life and, and trying to find this, like, what is my thing? What is my life purpose kind of thing? Um, I ultimately gave up on the dream of being a police officer because um, I just felt like adults and I don't believe this now is, is that they were too far gone. And then just chronic offenders problems in, in, in Canada are so bad. People get arrested, they get put in the system and they just get pumped back out. And so I just felt that wasn't, you know, a good use of my time. Right. And really, really felt like helping younger people was, was kind of my thing. Um, and, and God really like, you know, gave me opportunities to grow and, and he, you know, transitioned me to China. God, my, my dad was like, Hey, you're not doing anything like come with me to China. And, you know, though I saw it as a vacation at the start, um, you know, he was, he used it to really change who I was, to really start that discovery. Um, and, and so I went there because there was an, there was an earthquake in 2008. It's like the 13th deadliest earthquake the world has ever seen. Uh, almost 90,000 people died, uh, a ton, like a lot are still missing. And, and, and that really brought perspective. I've always been drawn to want to serve other people and, and, you know, from being wanting to be a police officer, wanting to be Batman, wanting to, um, just serve others. And so I went to Katrina actually, it's funny because 16 years ago, right. That was, that was when Katrina hit, I was there also, I've always put myself in a position to, to kind of help others and serve others. And, um, so I was in China for a bit, um, and started once we have had our son, we started feeling like there's kind of a transition time that needed to happen. And, and so feeling like maybe we'd go back to Canada because, you know, I wasn't able to lead the relationship because of the marriage, because I was, I couldn't speak Chinese. I couldn't read Chinese. So it's like, even just basic things like reading like a, a, a menu required my wife. And so it's like, how do I make decisions in that kind of environment? Um, and so made the decision to come back here. Um, and since that time, it's really been just a slow discovery process of what is my life purpose? Like, what, what am I called to do? What is my identity? What are my strengths? And then pursuing that thing. And now I'm in this place where I'm, I'm able to and have this great drive to contribute to the well-being of the world by helping other men discover that about themselves. Yeah, that's a it's a it's an awesome discovery. I mean, it's a, I think it's really important. I think most men don't go. I'm making an assumption, but in the in the in the circles that I have interviewed and talked with, most men really don't find their true identity and purpose. Oh, it's a little late, honestly. Yeah. I mean, that was mm -hmm. kind of me. I want to ask a question because I want to I want to kind of hone in on what you're talking about sure. now, but your dad chose, was it your dad that chose to go get the learning visa or whatever it was? 
Was it yeah. Great? So, I mean, I, I'm not sure who chose, but like his parents at the time were just like, there's this thing that you can, you know, get out of this country, like get out of this system, like, and, and, and go do something else, be somewhere else. Um, and, and, and so my dad made the decision that I guess both ways, right? Why would, or- why would China want to do that? Why would they want to send grant visas to go away? I mean, is it to try and implant communism somewhere else or was it, it just seems like so counterintuitive to their messaging. And then he went back later, which is surprising. They let him back in. Yeah. Especially as a Christian, we, you know, that's just not right. And yeah. That's a different, now that's a different story is there's, there's a lot of intricacies to that story is, is why would China do that? And I think that comes from wanting to, it, it, ultimately it still wants to improve itself. Hmm. And so there's no way of doing that by not having creativity. It's kind of like a double-edged sword for them because on one hand, they don't want creativity for you to generate ideas that would uproot or overthrow what existing status quo there is. But at the same time, like we also want to improve. And so, and it's funny because if you look at China now, it's like, it's very much like, is it communist? Is it capitalism? There's, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like interlocking parts that it does kind of, you could even justify and say there is parts of capitalism in here. Like it's China is so developed and, and now it's to this place where it's just anyways. Um, it, his, it, it ultimately was his decision, I think, because he knew they knew what was happening in the country and, and, and how there was going to be little hope for the family. And you got to understand, like, we're really, China's really on the lineage thing where it's like, you know, especially with the one child policy, it's like your whole lineage is on your back. And so if you're the oldest, which my dad was, get him out so you can get us out kind of thinking. Yeah. That's, that's uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, I, and let, let me talk about the Christian thing because um, you know I totally forgot about that. It's 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 something that obviously God has to open the door for that. Um, and, and because my 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 grandparents had connections with the government, and, and at the time they were actually still working with the government in 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 they were actually like a, a police um, equipment business. Essentially, they would get equipment that police agencies in 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 China would need. And they would help supply the police. And so we had a lot of existing contacts with people. And these, and there's a funny story with that because um, China is really about who you know. It's not about like what you, who or what you are. Um, when we used to go into China, um, you know, now you'd have to apply for a visa beforehand before you even get into the country. Like you can, you don't even go to the airport without having that visa. They won't even give you a ticket if you don't have one. Um, back in the day, it was just go to the country first and then go into this office and then they'll give you kind of like issue you one right there. I think Thailand does that right now. Um, and so we'd go there to the office, like every time we go in and there'd be this like waiting room with people just sitting there waiting for their things to like, you know, get, get approved to get a visa into the country. They're just sitting in there. And my dad would just make a phone call. This person would come out and grab us and then bring us inside. Um, and then there'd be this lady, like one, this one time, this lady was just like on her phone. She's just playing on her phone and she had a whole stack of papers and passports and she's not doing any of them. And the guy walks up, you know, hands her, her our passports and our papers. And she just like opens it, stamps it on. We'd like to have like a short little chit chat and then just like gives it back to us. And then we leave and she just goes back to playing on her phone. And so it's like, I think there was, there was a divine appointment of, the family being in a high position in the government and allowing us to go back into the country through that same channel to be able to do the things that we do 
or were doing at the time um yeah for the country and, and ultimately they they now know what my dad does they know who he is just the affiliations that he has with government with different schools universities and and the work that he's doing with like disaster relief social work um you know suicide prevention counseling family counseling like at one point they wanted us to like teach them what vbs was which is vacation wow. bible school which is like kind of like you hear these things about you know prosecution in china but at the same time like we don't understand that god's a god of opportunity and doors are like he can open doors that you know man forces shut like there's just a whole bunch of opportunity that my dad has been able to, you know, with the blessing of God to open up different avenues of ministry and things to, to, to happen in the country. So it's so fascinating. I watched, I'm sure you did. I'm not sure if you did, but the Joe Rogan had that um, podcast interview with the, the gal. I can't, I can't. With Korean lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Korea, and she talked a lot about China's stronghold on North Korea and they're pulling the mm-hmm. strings and about mm-hmm. all the atrocities that happen. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just so fascinating. It's, yeah, it's a, a different world. We have zero clue to those yeah. of us who <laughs> born and raised in America or Canada, even like, it's just not, yeah. it's, it's not just don't get it. Absolutely. Yeah. And the way, and the way that China has developed so quickly, like I, I don't, the, the, the version of China that my dad grew up in is not what I see. And even just hearing about the the upbringing that my wife's family had, like not even from a position of being high in the government, like it is just, it, it scares me to think that this stuff is actually happening in North Korea to like an even worse degree, like to the nth degree, like eating tree bark and stuff like that. Like she was right. telling me that her parents, like her family did that, which was like, how are you still living? But yeah, this just gives us perspective. You know, I, I was just going to say, I, I talk to everybody I can about that podcast for one thing, if, if um, for multiple reasons, I mean, it, it made me very passionate about some of the things going on in the world, but mostly yeah. You need to have a perspective. Like, you know, woe is me who maybe made a thousand dollars less this month than last month. (laughs) I'm sitting here going, that thousand dollars is more than most people see in a lifetime. So like, you know, it's just that whole perspective thing. It's so fast lost. I mean, I lose it in a heartbeat and I think most of us do, but you gotta, you've gotta engage in those types of opportunities to hear what life is like on the other, on the other side of, in other countries and, and yeah. in oppressed worlds. Uh, all right. So you, you know, you're in Vancouver, you are going through this self-actualization, this learning about mm. yourself. I know that you did some um, SAS, which is software as a solution. So what was your role mm. in that? Kind of what, what have you done through all of this searching? Yeah. So, um, you know, in my story, when I was talking about, you know, when we're transitioning back to Canada, um, at the time we were doing a, a ministry in China, we started Young Life there. And I'm sure some of the, the listeners are, you know, have, have a familiarity with Young Life. Um, we started the team there and just really didn't feel, you know, and, and this is this is part of that search is, is cluing into that intuition whenever you feel something isn't right like dig into that, like really lean into that because it's really telling us something is not right. There's you're, you're start to question what the state of things and, and, and start to really ask questions about, well, what does this mean for me? What, what is the next door I'm supposed to walk? What is the next step for me to take? And so, you know, we were transitioning, like I said, you know, I didn't, 
I couldn't lead the marriage. And so I, I needed to be in an environment where I can at least lead the marriage on the language basis. That was the most basic thing. Um, you know, we were looking at Hong Kong because there was a, a Young Life team in Hong Kong. And um, because Hong Kong speaks my two, there's two languages I speak there, Cantonese and, and English. And so um, it was a place that I could lead people. I really felt at home in Hong Kong. And so we went there kind of to see um, if it was a, a good a, a good fit. And uh, the leader that was there kind of walked me through StrengthsFinder. And oh, it was cool. one of the things that Young Life does actually every single year, they'll lead 40 of their staff through StrengthsFinder. Um, and, you know, for them to find out if, whether or not, youth ministry is something for them to keep going on. And you can, you can kind of see how this is kind of backwards for young life. They, on one hand, they want really, really good people. These 40 people are potentially really, really good people, but they also want them to like live out their purpose, right? If, if this isn't their calling, they should really move on to doing something else. And so after doing the, the strengths finder and he walked me through it, he really told me like, Hey, your strengths, like you'd make a great counselor, great coach. And uh, at the time, I was just like, that's too much information for me. I, I was just not ready for that, um, to make that leap yet. And, and I think it was, a, it was intended um, to have that feeling. And, and God was really like, yeah, you're, you're not really ready for that. And so um, because I learned about that, I realized that, hey, China and Hong Kong isn't our thing. We got to really go back to Canada and, and kind of start from scratch there. Um, we went back to Canada and um, just... It, it was just like, you know, I needed to put circumstance, right? Circumstance took over, needed to put food on the table and, and, and bring in some money, right? And and so I started kind of doing this trade, right? Like wanting to do trade because, you know, everybody says you should do a trade kind of, you know, with external, you know, rewards or whatever, saying that you can make a lot of money and, 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 and whatnot. Um, I'm 5'7", so I might be just slightly taller than you. But like, just like starting from the bottom for trade, it's like, you're doing all the heavy lifting and I'm not big. I mean, I can see that you're, you know, you got muscle to you. I'm, I'm really like stick thin, like maybe Legolas, I guess you could say, and, you know, lifting those things that, you know, guys like you would be able to do that easily. I, it was so hard for me. So it was straining on my body. It was straining on my psyche. Uh, it was li not life-giving work. It was just draining, stressful. And also the time with my family, I, 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 I didn't have. And so I made the decision to quit and it was just like, I, I, I didn't want to be that kind of father. My dad was never, not never there, but rarely there. And it's not the quality, it's not the quantity, it's the quality of time. I just didn't have a lot of quantity, nor did I have a lot of qu qu uh, quality with my dad. And so I wanted to be more of a present father. And that was what actually superseded the, the police dreams too, is that I wanted to be a more present father. And, and at the time I felt that being a police officer for one, you know, and, and this isn't saying that, you know, police officers don't lead perfectly healthy marriages or be good fathers is that they, you know, you, you hear about the divorce rate of, of, of police officers and, 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 you know, you could also get shot on the job and then all of a sudden your life is uprooted. You, you pass away on, on the line of duty and, you know, your kids are now suddenly fatherless. I didn't want to be that. And so that, that goal superseded that. Um, and so, you know, once I made that decision to quit, I, you know, my dad was like, Hey, you understand the nonprofit side of, you know, China ministry. Why not, you, why not come, come back on? And so I went back on with them. And, and even at the time they were already like, Hey, like, don't rely on this as a forever income. Like this is something that will dry up, you know, recessions or whatever depressions happen and, you know, funds get in you know, a nonprofit funds get sucked up and, you know, people have to start getting cut kind of from, from support. And so, um, you know, we kind of went back to the drawing board, just figuring out what God was wanting me to do. And, it's funny because he's always had this like entrepreneurial spirit inside of me that I never, like, I knew was there. I just never, 
I just didn't know what I didn't know. I guess the answers are the questions that I needed. I just didn't know what they were. Um, and then at that point, it was just like, hey, you know, I got down on my knees and I prayed. I was like, God, what's, what do you have for me? Like, what do you want me to do here? Um, and it's funny because right after I got off the, the, the prayer, uh, just like I was on Google. It's just like, hey, ideas. I think it was like 2016, I think I typed in. And, um, you know, stumbled on this, this video, this guy was talking about digital marketing and, and, you know, running an online business. I was, I'm a really techie guy. I understand the internet. People always come to me with like VHS, DVD, VCD, whatever issues they have, you know, they'd always come to me. And I thought that was like super strange, but, um, so, you know, started my own digital marketing agency, doing SEO, doing lead generation, um, you know, to various successes and failures. Um, and, and when I look at that, um, and actually I'll, I'll, I'll probably touch on that later on is, is it wasn't life-giving work for me. Um, and, and I just really felt like something just wasn't right. And I also had like a kind of a falling out with my brother in terms of certain business, um, you know, collaboration stuff. Um, and then just transitioned into kind of the software as a solution, as a, as a service, um, business. Cause there's a piece of tech that I was using for my lead generation that I really felt that I could really help coaches with. Um, you know, coaches typically you'll hear they have a lot of issues with tech and they, they don't automate a lot of their systems. And so I transitioned into the SaaS space, um, and called myself a tech coach of sorts. Um, and, and, and so, you know, in the course of doing that, it was, it was actually life-giving work for me. I felt really alive and I was interacting with people and I was helping people and, and I just loved the interactions I had with coaches. Um, but you know, as I'm going through that random coaches were just telling me, Hey, like you should totally think about being a life coach, like being a, a coach yourself. And that to me was like, whoa, like I've come such a long way. Like that journey from starting the digital marketing agency to whenever I made the decision to, to you know, jump into being a coach, um, that was a span of like four years. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of growing that happened, a lot of things that had to happen, you know, had my daughter there. Um, and actually, if you look back from, you know, when I found out about my strengths, to doing the digital marketing agency to the SaaS thing and then to the life coaching thing, you know, the digital marketing agency thing was maybe like 20% of the way to my strengths. I was starting to kind of coach businesses, right? I'm doing coaching in essence, um, but it wasn't life-giving, right? Because it was just like, there's just still that 80% doing the tech stuff. I really felt that was like 80% of the way there. Um, and then what, what about that remaining 20%? Um, and so once I did the jump into the life coaching stuff, man, it was like the universe exploded in my eyes. And all of a sudden I was opening up to so many possibilities. I was impassioned in everything that I did and, and went through this like discovery process of transformation and realizing that I had to undergo that myself before I could even speak into that and somebody else. And like, God really walked me through like a step-by-step -step methodology of how to discover what those things were. And it all really started from inside. Whereas the other decisions I've made have all been exterior motives or exterior rewards that just ultimately didn't fulfill. Like I already felt that I didn't have to go to the end of the road to know that that lifestyle wasn't going to be something fulfilling for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I embarked on this crazy transformation. You know, there's a lot of things like you know, money and mindset, thoughts, beliefs, assumptions, like there's just everything was related. And now whenever I look at the world, it's all connected. It's all related, very tangible things that I do impact tangible results in the future for everybody around me. And so, yeah, that's kind of a long way to answer that question, but like, you know, there's a lot of intricacies also to that story, but, um, until I started to 
live from the inside out, the world like didn't make sense. Like I had to, I had to start answering those questions internally before it all really made sense to me and understand what my contribution is um, on this planet. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a quick journey, and no. one of my my goals is to almost if anybody will listen is to push them into the journey as early as possible. <laughs> yeah. You need to go search who you are. You need to find out mm-hmm. what gives you energy. You need to feel, mm-hmm. find out what your calling in life is, what your passion is. Yeah. Now, let me be very clear. There's this whole passion drive. Mm-hmm. I'm, I love passion, but sometimes you've got to start doing something to mm-hmm. know if you're passionate about it. You did some things and you're like, no, that's not it. And I, I want so badly to scream from the mountaintops, trying something and changing is not failure. Mm-hmm. It is growth. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, that's something I'm just really passionate about. Like just try some stuff. You might fail. Yeah. Good. Because all yeah. it's going to do is give you one more step closer to where you really need to be. Yeah. I'm trying to hit a home run right out of the gates. Right. Right. It's, it's yeah. just yeah. a way to, that's, it's a great way to fail overall. That, yeah. That's very interesting. You say that because if you look at the journey, it's like, I wasn't ready to make that jump six years ago. Like I had to go to the trade job. You know, I did other jobs, various jobs in between, like, you know, car detailing and, and all these other things. I had to have those experiences, have my second child, you know, and, 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 and have issues with my wife. And there was a lot of development thing, things that have to ha- had to happen there. So there it's, it's a fine balance. I, I totally understand what you mean. Cause whenever I talk to like 20 year olds, it's like, you know, one of, one of the steps in my methodology is actually looking at prior themes and experiences that you've had, and then using that to form a basis of, of where to go next. Hmm. Um, That's good. Sorry. And, and, and so it's like, well, if you're, if you're too young and you've never had these experiences, like, how can you, how do I know what I like, what I, what I enjoy if I've never tried my hand at anything or, or like I'm straight out of college, like I've never, never, never had a nine to five, but you know, like, how do I know that thing? And I think each person is different. Everybody's hands are different. Everybody's cards are different. And so there's just, yeah, there's just a lot of intricate details here that in different angles that, that are possible here, but I totally understand what you mean. Like you have to have gone through a, 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 a bit of a journey before you actually even understand the importance of why having a purpose exists. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There's people that I think know it from the gates. They get, they hit the gates running and they know what they're wanting to be unless they're lying to us in the world, you know, which is a possibility too. I mean, lying to themselves in the world is a possibility, but yeah. there are people like, Hey, I knew from age five, I wanted to be a doctor. They go be a doctor. They're incredibly talented. You know, yeah. they're called for it and it gives them life. I think a lot of people resign to the fact that I'm just making money and it's providing for my family. What mm-hmm. does it matter how I feel about it? And, and I feel yeah. like, wow, I'm really sorry. You're missing so much. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the, that's the thing about, that's why BOF is so crazy. Like, you know, the brotherhood of fatherhood is, is, is it's so, it's funny. Cause you're describing literally a ton of fathers out there is, is, they, you know, identity is the first piece of my methodology. It's like, we we're you know, we're identified as, you know, sole breadwinners. We're, 
providing luxuries for our kids, vacations. You know, I'm supposed to stress out and work a nine to five or 12 hour, 13 hour shift to provide for my family and not see my family. That is the norm, which is, that's extremely, that's, that's such a stark way of looking at a man's life. Like our responsibility supersedes the food that we put on the table. Like we are called to live a life of example. We, we are to emulate to our children how life is to be done. If you don't want your children to live the way you're doing, if it's stressful for you, man, think about how stressful it's going to be for your kids. It's not going to be not stressful for them. And so shouldn't you be more focused on living, showing that example? Um, and, and I know circumstances lead people down certain roads and you could be answering this when you're 40 or 50 or whatever. Um, but like, if you have the opportunity to hear this message now, like really look into like, why is it you like, like people always talk about what is your why? Like, what is your why? Like you, are you, are you on this planet to just be a, a person that fills wallets and fills bank accounts with money to buy the food and, on the table? Like, no, like that is not what you were created to do. And, and, and so there's a lot of wasted potential. It's funny this morning I was in the shower just thinking about, you know, what is that? What does that look like? I'm a very like, you know, imaginary person. And so I like to think about things very, very tangible and, and, and in an imagery kind of way. Um, you know, I think of a cheetah, like treading water in, in, in water, like he's just like trying to run super fast, but he's not really going really fast. Like, and he can try that in the forest. He can try it in a desert. He can try it in different places. If you're not in a Savannah, you're not going to run that speed. Um, and, and, and so that's, and then that's why it's stressful, right? Gay Hendricks says something like stress and conflict comes from a lack of ownership and acceptance. And so what ownership of what ownership of and acceptance of what it's like ownership and acceptance of ourselves is we're not, we never took the time to discover who we are inside here. And so we want to answer these questions of what am I doing? What am I supposed to do with my life? What am I supposed to like, who am I? Even the question of who I am, they don't even know. And so we pursue these external things thinking this is what is my contribution. This is what I'm meant to do. Somebody in school told me that I would make a good doctor. And so here I am as a doctor. And then they reach this point where they're like, why am I so unfulfilled? Well, you, you haven't answered those deep questions. Like you don't even know who you are. Like, how can that, no wonder you're so stressed out. And, and, and that just contributes to everything else. Yeah. Work is not life-giving for you. You take more time to de-stress. Suddenly you're taking it out on your kids. And now I have these marriage issues. And then later on you get these health issues like that, that could pretty much be the story of the world. The modern world is, is why is the state of things the way it is, is because we didn't take responsibility as fathers. We didn't take responsibility as men and even females, like mothers too. There's, there's just, every person has this responsibility that, that has pretty much has the world, the state of the world in their hands. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I knew it was obvious to me from early on that you, you think a lot about things and, you know, um, I mean, obviously we, we got to know each other through the brotherhood group and, you know, you go and you write and you lay down these things in that group. And my brain just goes, Whoa, wait, like reread that. It's deep. A lot of it's really deep. I think a lot of people probably don't even, take the time to consume it, mm. but I wish people would because there's a lot of really great things in there. Where did this passion come from? I mean, you've talked a little bit about it, but like, 
is this something you're thinking about all the time? Because these aren't things that just like I could put pencil to paper and come up with like out of the blue. What's your inspiration? Yeah. yeah I, I really think that like, and this is like my transformation really, I, I would say is in the last six months. Um, and, and it's looking back on that journey, it's been a real crazy growth period. And, and, and it's very tangible for me. Um, like seeing, seeing who I was and, and actually let's not even talk about that. Gay Hendricks has a book called the big leap. And he talks about this thing called the zone of genius. Um, and there's four different zones. There's the zone of incompetence, zone of competence. Um, and there's, there's another, a comp, uh, a zone of, of, um, Anyways, I forgot the third one. The last one is zone of genius. And so you could say that the SAS play for me, that was, that was my zone, the third zone. Um, zone of genius is where you start to like spiral upwards. Hmm. And so in this transformation, I've kind of unlocked this capacity in myself because I have this passion all of a sudden to want to grow, to want to go deeper. And, 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 and really it was, it was a process of shining light in areas in my inner being that I'd never shown before. Um, and in coaching, you really understand it's like, man, like you are your worst and best client. And so how deep you're willing to go is how deep you can go with a client. And so I had to do all this crazy amount of like identity stuff. Um, it just mindset beliefs and all this stuff, like things that I I've harbored for the longest time. Um, I had to break all those things down. People were catching me whenever I wasn't being compassionate um, was not self-loving. They're like, why are you verbalizing that way? And I was like cluing into these things. I was like, yeah, why was I saying these things? Like growing up through high school, I, I always told myself I was terrible at math. And, and, and it, it ended up that I graduated with grade 10 math, which was like the bare minimum. And so then I thought it was like, well, man, if I thought about it differently, if I thought I'm actually pretty good at math, like the result could have been that I graduated with grade 12 math, like the rest of my classmates. Um, and then that carried on to things like reading. Like I would say, oh, I always fall asleep when I read. I would just, it's just like a reoccurring thing that I told myself. And guess what? Whenever I read, I fall asleep. It's like, well, yeah, because you have that thought. And so understanding the self-coaching model, which is like, you know, circumstances trigger thoughts, thoughts trigger emotions, emotions trigger actions, and actions trigger the results. The result ultimately ties back to the thought because the thought causes the emotion. And then you kind of enter this like slippery slope. And so understanding that was also really good because it was like, our thought is what limits everything. How you think will determine the results we see because of the actions that we take um, and how we feel in life. If we're generally thinking that life sucks, well, guess what? Life is going to suck. You're right. But if you think that life is going to be awesome, you're also right because life is going to be awesome. You're going to find things that are awesome. Um, And so in writing those posts, um, I, I just my mind has always been, it's funny growing up. I always thought that I was strange. I always thought that my thinking was like, why do I think about these things? I almost thought like I had a, like a female mind because it was just like always thinking about emotions of people. Like, like my empathy is really, really high on my strengths. It's like number two. Um, and just like different things and, and, and ideas were always like in my head that I just like, couldn't really like, again, like the cheetah in water. It was just like, I was, I was running super fast, not knowing why I was running super fast in the water, but not going anywhere until I got into the savannah. It was like, boom, it all made sense. My prey is right there. I, I see myself as a cheetah and, I'm, and I tell myself that I'm the fastest in the land. And so 
what can I not do? And so in, in that, I, I find because I have this drive for wanting people to think more deeply about things, I'm always very, like, I've always been very present um, in, in, in whatever moment. And, and there's a good story with that is in China, there's a lot of pickpockets. And in China, technology is also really, really prevalent. And so people will be walking down the streets on their phones, clueless to the point when somebody's like digging through their stuff in their purse. Um, and the street that I lived on it whenever, whenever I was in China, a lot of pickpockets. And I would just notice people. I just look at people, read their emotions and see, anticipate plays almost like I was an athlete. Um, and I'd always speak up whenever somebody was getting pickpocketed because it was like, hey, like pay attention. Like you're, you're getting robbed right before your eyes and you don't even know it. Um, and so it's like cluing into people. It's like, Hey, like what, um, you know, and if I filter myself, the stuff that I type on these, these posts, if I filter myself, then I'm limiting what I'm giving people. And so I get, I guess you call these garbage posts, even though it's not garbage to people, it's, it's, it's really getting what my thoughts are on paper for somebody, because I don't know how this could contribute to somebody else. I don't know how this could spark something in them. Um, and that's, that's not on me. That's my job is just to take my heartfelt in, information, the things that I have, like I struggle to sleep sometimes because I have these like thoughts about different posts. I'll literally take out my phone again and then write down the the heading that I had in my head and then mess up my circadian rhythm again. Um, and just wanting to, I just want people to think, like I just want people to be more present right now. And so it just made so much sense to be helping people with life purpose, with their mindset, with their beliefs, with their being, and, and also fathers, because I want them to be more fulfilled. I want them to take less time to de-stress. I want them to be more present with their kids because their kids are going to go on to impact the world. There's just such, such real world consequences to every single action. So even in my business, it's like, man, I got to be present. I got to be always writing posts and, and thinking about how I can, you know, come at a different angle and, and, and be, you know, also as, as loving and understanding as I can, um, to just clue them into, Hey man, like this is a real issue that you need to answer. These are questions that we all need to answer. Have you asked them? So, yeah, I think, yeah, we are very good at filtering ourselves, men, men in general. And I think a lot of men filter themselves that they really put into the group, what they were thinking, negative, positive, both. I think we'd have a pretty flourishing group of men growing. I think, you know, there is some impact there. And, um, I I know that I know that I know it's digging in on somebody. It's somebody's like, Oh, there's that guy again, posting. I need to look at that because I remember him talking about being present with the kids and I was really struggling with that. Yeah. I w- sometimes I-, I go through periods where I'm like, you know, is anybody paying attention to anything? Mm. You know, just even uh, two days ago, somebody called me and said like, look, I listened to this one podcast you just did. It was a solo podcast. I'm like, no, I'm listening to this. <laughs> you know, that talk in my own head, right? It's so right. untrue. And he's like, you really, really push some beliefs in me. Mm. And I had to really like, like, whoa, I'm missing the mark here. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like you got that out of that. That's awesome. So, um, I, I just think that I think like when I read your posts and I've told it to you before, like how many guys are actually reading that? It's not really what matters. It's the guys that are reading it that are it's that it's resonating with. That's what matters. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's the audience size doesn't matter. It's the impact that matters. So, yeah. 
encourage that's you to cool. keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and actually it's funny because I want to say like, you know, having done that work inside, I know that I'm unstoppable. And so right. if, if, if somebody doesn't resonate with my posts or somebody reacts negatively to it, it doesn't, it doesn't affect me anymore. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter. It's not for you. Well, great. Then that means you're probably not the right audience and, and yeah, you should move on to something else. And maybe it's not the time. There's just so many dynamics to, to like so many angles to it that I just, I can't control all of it. And, and, and why would I, if you want more of it, man, then that means I got to post more of it. And so literally talking to my coach yesterday, she was like, well, you know, am I posting too much? Can you ever post too much? And if you just think about it, like if you have a, like Denzel Washington is one of my favorite actors. He has these like a lot of like amazing quotes and stuff. Like how much of Denzel Washington can I get? Will I ever listen to the point where I'm like, oh, he's so annoying. Like I would never, like I'd want more of it. Or even Jordan Peterson is good. Another good example is I can listen to his thoughts and, and his ideas like so much. Like I listen to his podcasts for like hours and hours on end. It, it, I don't ever get bored of it because it feeds something inside of me that each person is, each, each person has a desire for. And so, you know, on that note is just like, you know, keep, keep putting things out there. Don't be afraid to do it. Like, and it doesn't matter what you put out there because whoever doesn't resonate with it, well, good. Then they don't resonate with it. That's what you want. You don't, you, right. you, you're don't, 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 don't shoulder that burden and be like, well, then, then I should stop posting. No, that's limiting your yeah contribution. I think that's the difference between, um, kind of having a calling, really understanding your, your purpose, understanding your identity, uh, identity plays a big role. Like, you know, Hey, that didn't fall on that guy's ears. Big freaking deal. Like, yeah, <laughs> it right. you know, and it's a very, very hard lesson to learn. And it takes many, many years to kind of, kind of weed through right. your own emotions and get to a point. Some people are born that way. Um, maybe a little indifferent, which is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking right. about, yeah, you care, but you care about the ones who are, are listening. Right. Like you can't plant a seed of doubt in me. Mm. Like there's no way, like I'm, I'm already in my, I'm a cheetah in the Savannah. There's nothing better than that already. And so there's no doubt. Whereas yesterday talking to this girl, she was like, oh, we want to talk about podcasts and stuff. And she, the, the one question that really threw doubt in her mind is how do I monetize this? Well, then I was like, well, maybe being a podcast or whatever is not what you're meant to do. And right. so now we're kind of talking about whether or not we should discover together what that's going to be like to discover life purpose and what that is, because why are you answering questions like that when you don't even know who you really are? There's like, there's just, you just jump, skip over steps anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, just opened a can of worms about mm. monetizing podcasts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we got to keep going with that, right? That's the same note is you got to keep going. Viewership might be low right now, but man, one day somebody's going to really resonate with the stuff and it's going to, you know, those things are going to accumulate. doesn't mean that we shouldn't keep going and keep absolutely you know, pushing it. Yeah. In fact, I, you know, I've had great numbers and I've had decent numbers and I've had bad numbers. It's very fluctuation. And, and, and the, the message is, is I never, I don't think I've ever thought about monetizing this podcast outside of maybe selling some shirts mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or something. And mostly that yeah. just supports it because, you know, I have a team that does all the editing because I'm just right. not there in my own personal editing skill. And, right. um, and nor do I want to take the time to do it. And, yeah, <laughs> it's just not where I'm at, but, but, you know, I'd be stupid to say, well, I wouldn't love to earn a few bucks, but really what, what's the point? The point is yeah. I have a passion for men to, um, really cha be challenged and want to grow and, um, and share other men's stories with them so that they can learn from what other men have gone through or going through or are experts in. So it's working, it's working because that's what my idea was. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it feeds you too. I mean, right. and that's a very... Yes. 
and and the, the, you know that change that you're talking about you're you're impacting the the environment you're impacting the economy too because people are more driven and and that's ultimately what i'm into is like because it's all connected it's like if i if i get you into doing what's your life purpose you're going to come to life doing what you do and money's just going to come like right and then at that point you can support people like us or 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 your podcast it's just 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 too many things in this universe that is already in your favor because you're continuing to be consistent and persistent in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same to you. I mean, yeah, and that's a, that's a really good message for men. It's like, you know, you just don't know, you just don't know what impact you're having all the time and that's okay. Yeah. So if, as long as it's fueling you and it's the right thing. Um, right. Well, awesome. I, I want to wrap up, but yeah, only because of time, but I, I want to ask you a few questions um, that I think, help other men what's what's something that's a non-negotiable in your day that you feel every man should do i think the self-care thing is really really is really what stands out for me because uh, i'm in a lot of other groups too uh, like men's groups and mental health groups and men's mental health health groups and that's a fa- that's that's one of the things that often gets overlooked is that as a man that I need to show that I have it all together and that I just buck up, shut up and do what I need to do uh, to provide for the family. Like my, my well-being is okay to be overlooked. Um, yeah. I think that that is a load of crock. Um, and I think that like self-care is so important. And so, you know, work that into your routine. Like it's funny because I always, I always seem to reference Gay Hendricks. He 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 has a quote where he says, "You know, you're tired of of doing things that feed others and, and feed others around you, but you know, at, in the end, you're not feeding yourself." And that ultimately just doesn't sit with me because, you know, stress is stress from not not owning up to yourself is is one thing, but stress over time is going to shut down your immune system. And it's going to cause adverse health effects, which who wants to be at that place where they have, you know, stare down cancer or, or have a coronary or whatever and and, mm-hmm. and be like, well, I, I want to answer these questions now. At that point, you know, it, it could be said that it's too late. And, and so self-care is definitely what is needed. And also starting from a place of internal, internal first, like don't, the mind is what drives the bit that moves the body that does the body. And so if you're doing pull-ups or chin-ups or whatever, and you tell yourself you can't do it, you're not going to be able to pull up another one. And so work on the mind to see that as a, as a muscle, um, take back your mind um, and everything else will start to fall into place because then you'll be clear also to, 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 to understand what are the questions that I need to ask? What is the most pressing thing right now for me? What is a dominant question that I have that needs answering? Um, and then from that place, knowing what are the next steps, because suddenly you have the right answers. Now it's like, well, from that place, where do I, what's the next step for me? What is the best next step to take, um, here? So, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Uh, if you pass away and your kids are grown, what is the legacy that you'd like to see? Like you're looking in, you're seeing mm. action or, or their family or whatever it is. What, what do you, what would make you think I, I did well? Most directly, I think, you know, if I see my children do like walk, do the, 
transform go through the transformation that they need to go through living from a place of of inside out rather than outside in living in their purpose and not letting circumstance divert them and continue to pursue being change agents in the world and, and even for God's kingdom I think that would be that would be all I would I would feel like my life is accomplished I I, I want to see I want to create a movement I want to create a wave of people um and uh, you know I listened to your match the the Matt Chenard uh, uh, podcast you guys did some of the things he was saying was really resonating with me like wanting to have a resort you know one day like where you can have people come and 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 just starting a movement of fathers that just get it you know I want to be one of those real coaches, not the ones that just like want to get rich quick and, and stuff. And so that's why I had to like build those things brick by brick. I think I want, I want to know that I made a real tangible growth in the universe. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. So you, you coach. So I, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to kind of plug yourself. I think it's yeah. really important, obviously, if you are in the brotherhood of fatherhood group, uh, Theophilus is easy to find because he's posting you're posting. I'm, I'm talking to you like you're not here. <laughs> Woo, I was. I, I was am and not. I, I was concerned. I wasn't saying your name right. Uh, you know, like that little mental trail that goes off. So, um, <laughs> like it's the teacher in me. Uh, the so you obviously people can obviously get a hold of you there, and I'm unashamed mm-hmm. to say, like, yeah, like <laughs> do it. Like ask mm-hmm. some questions. Uh, where else can they get find you? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm on Instagram also, um, Theo 86 Z, um, and I'm also on LinkedIn. I think the Facebook is the best way that, that is really where I call my home and posting on social media on my account and, and, you know, feel free to add me because I'm, I'm very open-minded. Like I've, I've been approached by MLMs, even though I know they're from MLM, like, you know, network marketings. Like I, I, I give them the opportunity to say their thing and, if I'm able to help them in any way, I will do that. Um, that's very part of that's a big part of who I am. Is I love helping others. The service to other other people is a um, is a recurring theme in my life. And so, you know, add me, and I just love to chat. I'm never I never try to be pushy with anything. If you're in the place and time to have these conversations, I will be intentional about that. Um, I just love speaking about transformation. I love speaking about internal workings and beliefs and and i just man i just i love the community i want to also thank you scott for what you do um a lot of the things that you do gets overlooked in the group and 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 i just feel that more people need to notice right that you're doing a a a great thing and great service for people um and i'm just happy that i and even this opportunity to be able to be here to speak with you i've taken a lot from you um and yeah, I just can't wait to see what else is in store for this community. Yeah, it's been fun. It's yeah. been it's been really fun. But let me stop and say thank you, thank you very much for the encouragement and those words. And um, you know, I don't. Early on, I asked you, hey, like you have a message to t- tell. Come on the podcast. You're like, oh wait, slow down here. <laughs> but I think the timing was was ideal. The timing was right. Um, we we've had a chance to kind of you know, chat, got yeah. on the phone and, and talked and, um, the yeah, even that, yeah, even just that month, like from when we had that conversation till now, the, the growth that I've undergone was just right. ridiculous. And so like at the time I was really felt like, Hey, you know, like I, 
I, I wanted to be sure. I wanted to make sure that I, you know, had myself some preparation and I really did and, and really stepped into, leaned into it. Um, le- steer into the fear has been my phrase. And so, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I, I'm the purpose is greater. Your purpose has to be greater in your fear. So steer into the fear fits right into that. Yeah. Uh, I had a, I had a shirt made purpose with the greater than sign fear. And I was going to sell it through the brotherhood of fatherhood group. And I'm like, well, I'll sell like three. You should do it. I'll buy one of those. For sure. one. I might, might buy two of those. <laughs> Matt Chenard will be another one that buys it. Him and I, by the way, just a little plug for everybody. Him and I have a new podcast coming out. I'm like, oh, nice. I'm four podcasts wide right now. So <laughs> I have my business VAs for gyms or VAs for gyms podcast, which is basically just like, listen to why we're so awesome. If you're a business owner, why you should be using mm-hmm. us. Another plug. Number two, I have Brotherhood of Fatherhood, which is absolutely passion project. Love every mm-hmm. moment of it. Uh, number three is stories that grow. Stories that grow is for entrepreneurs, business owners, mm-hmm. coaches. Uh, uh, I have t- over 20 episodes recorded and it hasn't even launched. It launched in September. Wow. So another plug, please, everybody, even right now, it's just the trailer. Go give me a five-star review and subscribe yeah. because... That is what will help this thing get. That's what I didn't do with Brotherhood of Fatherhood. And I'm, and I'm, I'm asking you that for Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Take the three minutes, go on podcasts on Amazon, or not on Amazon, on Apple, Apple Podcasts, and rate my shows, please. Like, this is how we get out there. So the other one, which we haven't launched yet, because I'm going with the same theory of uh, Stories That Grow, getting a real nice bank, getting it really built up, really building out the everything right is with Matt Chenard. It's called Principles of Growth. Mm. And um, that one emulates a lot of what I talk about here, but it's solely on mindset of growth. What do you need to do? What are some things that will help you grow? In fact, I got my ideas for my last solo podcast, uh, five things that help you, that help you finish strong. Mm. Um, we did a podcast and it was six things that help you finish strong. And I, I took five of those and put them into the brotherhood. So like just the concepts that really are going to, if you want to grow those podcasts right there, um, the, the stories that grow brotherhood of fatherhood and, um, principles of growth, like they, they, they're, I'm very biased, but they're awesome. Wow. No, <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, but Matt will be really happy to hear that you took something out of that. That uh, I've, re- I've reached out to him already too. I think we're going to, we we just the things that you guys were saying was just spot on. And you reached out to went, Matt already? I already did. Once I was, <laughs> as I was listening before he even got to the resort part, I was already, I was already like reached out to him. I was like, Hey, like fellow Canadian transformational coach. There's just so many touch points. Like yeah. I can't avoid that. And so yeah. steer into the fear, right? It's like, I don't know what he's, how he's going to respond, but that's not on me. I just make a new friend. Same thing I did with you. So you know, men out there, fathers out there, just go it. out there and just do it. Yeah. What do you, yeah. you got? Nothing to fear. We're yeah. not monsters. We don't, we're so far away from each other. It's there's, there's nothing. So I think you should just, just do it. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you've reached out to Matt. Such an amazing uh, person. Uh, Theo, thank you so much for your time. I know, I know you were looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it. Everything in the universe, universe was trying to stop us from getting here today. Yeah. Right? You and I both hit snags and we're like, no, we're doing this. So thank you for doing that, brother. Yeah. Thank you for the time, man. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. 
If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, The Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from The Brotherhood of Fatherhood.